Well, the box arrived on Tuesday, and we opened it up, and in the box was this, two pounds of candy. And I asked Derek, I'm like, did you order candy? And he said, no. And I'm like, I didn't order it. And then we started putting our minds together, and we thought maybe, you know, sometimes companies, when you order a lot of materials from them, will send you a little gift, and maybe they just forgot to include the candy in with the gift. And so I said, well, somebody just loves us and wanted to send us candy. We should eat it. And Derek said, don't eat that. And I said, why? And what you have to understand is before Derek came and worked at Lakeside, he spent a couple years in prison. And uh, it's, no, that's true. That's true. He worked there, but, the, you know, that's a minor detail in the story. <clears throat> and so he has, a, he has a, what he would say is a healthy distrust of people, borders paranoia. And I said to him, Derek, give me one reason why someone would, would want to poison me. And after he rattled off about five or six, <laughs> only half of which were valid, by the way, <laughs> he said, and because we follow Jesus. And I'm like, well, all right, I guess that's a valid reason uh, that somebody would want to poison us in this day and age. Um, I said, you know what, though, send out a message to, to Scott, our, our business manager, and Shelly, one of the great volunteers in the office during the course of the week, and ask them if they ordered the candy. Now, Shelly normally stocks the candy, which we really appreciate, and your kids appreciate, because not only do we give them donuts on Sunday, but then they see the candy bowl in the office, and they make a dash for it. And by the way, we're not mad about that, all right? So if you don't want them to have it, I get it. Blame us. That's cool. But if your kid wants a piece of candy, give them a piece of candy. We don't care. It's why it's there. The UPS driver gets some candy. When I'm walking past, I take a piece of candy. Like, it's just, it's a little pick-me-up. And I know some of you are like, you should have apples and oranges, whatever. Like, <laughs> well, I've bitten into an apple a number of times, and never have I felt the joy that I have when I eat a Kit Kat, all right? I just have it. It's just me, whatever. And you're like, well, if you would stop eating Kit Kats for a while, I don't want to stop eating Kit Kats for a while, so no. So we have candy, and if you don't like that, that's fine. Don't take any. It doesn't hurt anybody, okay? Uh, but but it, we have candy, and I said, ask Scott, but I'm pretty sure it's not Shelly, because Shelly knows what she's doing when she stocks the candy. I'm talking the five-pound bags, and she loads those up. She doesn't just bring in one five-pound bag. She brings in like four of them, and we put them on the shelf, and we have to worry that the shelf's actually reinforced into the wall so that it doesn't buckle because we have so much candy back there. And that is a beautiful thing. So we knew this is, this is not Shelly. Shelly would not do this. And then we found out that Scott was trying to be nice. And so Scott noticed the candy supply was getting a little low. So Scott ordered some candy, which is a very nice gesture, until you dig into the Amazon receipts and see that this two pounds of candy, which would cost $10.98 at Walmart, no tax because we're tax exempt, cost us $26 on Amazon. <laughs> now, inflation is real, people. All of us understand that, and we're all feeling it. But $26 for two pounds of candy, that hurt my heart a little bit. Now, I will say, in all fairness to Scott, one of our core values here at Lakeside uh, that, that we believe in is that we give people permission to fail. Uh, we, recognize, <laughs> we recognize that 90% of innovations fail, and we want to constantly be trying new things. And so 
we, right in our staff values, is you better be able to tell us how you failed in the last six months. <laughs> Scott, you're good till November, buddy. <laughs> you're good to November. $26. Now, Scott, Scott didn't think anybody would, would find out about that. He didn't think anybody, anybody would know. And it's just a reminder to us that everything we do is going to be seen by others. Everything we do, whether we think nobody's ever going to find out about it, whether we intend nobody to ever find out about it or not, everything we do is going to be seen by others others. This morning, what we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about the fact that our lives, our lives are brief, they're limited, and for us to make the most of every opportunity that we have, for us to live lives of consequence, for us to live lives that matter, for us to make the best choices that we possibly can, because not just are other people going to see what goes on in our lives, but one day we'll stand before God and give an account of what we have done with our lives as well. The choices that we've made, the people that we've served, the way that we utilize the gifts, the talents, and abilities that he has given us. And so if you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us in the Bible app. It's a free resource that you can find in the app store of your choosing. Just type in the Bible app and there it'll pop up. Once you've downloaded it, there's a feature within the Bible app called events. And you can follow along with us in the events feature either by enabling your locations or typing in zip code 54201. If you have a traditional Bible with you, again, we're walking through the books of First and Second Peter together, and so we're going to wrap up First Peter chapter 1 this morning. We're going to start in verse 17 in just a minute. But I just want to remind you where we've been as we looked at the opening of First Peter over the course of the last couple of weeks. And the first thing that we saw when we looked at the start of First Peter is this, that the best is yet to come. As people who've made the decision to follow after Jesus, the best is yet to come. And sometimes this life is incredibly difficult. Sometimes this life is hard. Sometimes we're facing real challenges and impactful things that go on in our lives. And in those moments, we just need to be reminded that the best is yet to come. And last week, we saw that as people who follow Jesus, we have an obligation. We have an obligation to serve God. We have an obligation to serve others. But the joy that comes when we look at following Jesus is not an obligation, but as an opportunity. And when we look at these, these opportunities that we have, and we don't say, well, I have to do this, but rather I get to do this. I get to use the gifts, the talents, and abilities that God has given me to serve him and serve others. And there's no better feeling in the world than that. And that's on the heels of where we've been in 1 Peter chapter 1. And today we wrap it up, starting in verse 17, where we read, these words, and if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Let me read this again. And if you call on him, if you call on God as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Now, you'll remember when we started our look at 1 Peter chapter 1, what we saw was this was a letter that was going to people who had to flee. They had to flee from their homes. They had to flee from their families. And the crime that they'd committed to make them go on the run was the fact that they were followers of Jesus. They were experiencing persecution. So they had to leave their lives and their homes behind. And they were scattered to all different places. And that's what Peter's talking about when he talks about this time of exile. But notice, notice what the language here, what he's 
getting across when he talks about God. If you call on God as Father who judges impartially, we can't lose sight of the fact that one day we will give an account for the way that we have lived our lives. We will stand before God, every single one of us. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you think about God. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't, all those things don't matter. Every single one of us, it is a universal truth. Every single one of us will stand before God and we will be judged. And God is an impartial judge. The Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial has taken the world by storm over the course of the last couple of weeks. Maybe you're watching it as it happens. Maybe you're reading all the coverage of it. Maybe you're, you're watching the highlights on TikTok. Where, wherever you are in that, people are just fascinated by this trial. And sometimes when there's these high-profile trials, that's what happens. Is people become fascinated with it. It's great ratings, so people talk about it. People are engaged in the conversation. And what I find fascinating is all the people from the Depp camp painting Amber Heard in a different light, all the people in Amber Heard's camp trying to paint Johnny Depp in a different light. And, and whatever side you're on, you kind of, you kind of take that approach. And that that tends, to, that tends to paint how you, how you view everything going on. And the job of a judge is to be impartial. A job of a judge is to look at it from both angles, to see both sides, to get to all the evidence and to understand, to take out all the bias. And this is just a reminder for us that we will one day stand before the perfect judge who is completely impartial, who also has a standard in mind, and that standard is one of perfection, and none of us measure up to it, and he is going to look at our lives, and we are going to have to give in account. And so in light of this, Peter says, conduct yourselves in this time of your exile in fear. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought God was gracious, and I thought God was forgiving, and I thought God was loving, and here we're told to conduct ourselves in fear? Why, would we, why should we fear God? Why should we fear God if we have a relationship with him through his son Jesus, which all the people receiving this letter have? Does this mean that that even as recipients of grace, we somehow need to cower? Does this mean that God's still angry with us, even though we've received the gift of salvation through what His Son Jesus has done on our behalf? What is this, what is this mindset that we should live our lives and conduct our lives in fear towards God, the one whom calls us friend, and the one whom sees us as His children? Why should we have fear? If God's our Father. And if that's a question in your mind today, you're not alone. So I hope I can help you understand it this way. I am not a big dog person. I know some of you love dogs the size of horses um, that could chew your face off in any moment that they wanted to. And, and that's cool. You do you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm much more a, a little, I'm really no pet person because I have enough things going on in my life. I really don't want to be responsible for anything else. And yeah, I, that's just me. Um, but if, if I had to pick, it would be a, be a little dog. And I think some of that is based on experiences uh, from, from when I was growing up that there was a friend of mine and they had a really, uh, really big, vicious dog. 
I don't know that it was vicious. I know that it was big, and it seemed vicious to me at the time, so we're going with it. They had a really big, and they had a really vicious dog, and I was over at my friend's house, and we went up to the front door, and the dog, like, bolted out the door, and it could have just completely knocked me over and chewed my face off, and so I wanted to get away from the dog, and I started to run away from the dog. And then the dog just showed me it could run faster. <laughs> and my friend's parents were like, stop running. Stop running. Because that dog's going to chase you. They say if, there's a, a, they say if you're, you're ever out jogging and a dog gets loose and it's coming after you, to even as, as, as frightening as that can be, to stop running. Because if you're running, the dog's going to run more violently. And the dog's going to chase you down. Some of you have a relationship with Jesus. But you're running. You've allowed your circumstances. You've allowed the choices that you want to do, even though you know they're not the choices that God would have in store for you. And you're running. And the good news for us all, but the bad news for you right now, is that God loves you so much, he's going to chase after you. And God loves you enough in his grace and in his mercy, even though it doesn't seem like it at the time. That he will put roadblocks in your way. He will make things more difficult. And it isn't because God's evil and it isn't because he's mad at you. But it's because he wants you to live your life to please and glorify and honor him. And we're going to see why that is in just a couple minutes. But I just want to tell you, if you find yourself in a position today where you're running, I'm begging you, stop. Because God loves you enough to chase after you. And this isn't some scene from like a Nicholas Sparks romance novel where God's like this handsome 6'4", well-built dude who has the stride of Usain Bolt and looks cool while he's running and he gently calls your name on the beach as it starts to rain down and you look in his eyes and he's just there and he holds your hand ever gently. God is fierce and he will chase after you whether you want to be caught or not because of his love for you. And Peter tells the tells the people that are following Jesus, you live your lives with that fear, with, with a healthy fear of God your Father, knowing that He loves you. It isn't because he's, He hates you. It isn't because He wants you to suffer, but He loves you enough to get your attention. He loves you enough to bring you back to Himself. Knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. Hey, this is a reminder to us. This is a reminder to us that God loves us so much, so much that he, that he bought us. 
that he bought us, that he ransomed us. This is a, this is a picture of God swooping in. It's the idea that, that in our past, we've been kidnapped. We've been kidnapped. And God swoops in and bought us back. That we were kidnapped because of this problem in all of our lives called sin. And it prevents us from having the relationship with God that God desires that all of us would have. So we were kidnapped and we were held hostage to this thing called sin. But God came and he paid the ransom. And he reminds us how he paid that ransom. It wasn't in silver. It wasn't in gold. It was something way more precious than that. It was the sacrifice of his son. It was the blood of Jesus. We've been ransomed not by monetary means. We've been ransomed by something so much more valuable than gold and silver. We've been ransomed by the sacrifice of our Savior who came to this world and died on the cross for our sin. And now he chases after us and he pursues us and he longs for us to have the relationship with him. And he wants our lives to honor and glorify him. And then Peter just hammers this point home. In case you didn't get it. But with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. We were bought by Jesus. He reminds us that we, while stuck in our imperfection, were ransomed by someone who was perfect. While we were stuck in our rebellion, we were ransomed by God himself coming to chase after us when we were running from him. This is the message of the gospel. It isn't because you've earned it. It isn't because you've deserved it. And what we're going to see is at your worst moment, God already knew about that, and he still decided to chase after you. God already knew about your biggest regret and your biggest mistake, and he still loves you. He factored all of that in, and he still wants you. You may have been rejected by your friends. You may have been rejected by your family. You may have been rejected by society. But God saw all of your regrets, all the things that would cause you remorse, and he still wants you. And he made a way that he could have that relationship. And the price was high. It was the blood of his son, Jesus. And Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. That before God created you, in fact, before God created anything, before God spoke this world into existence, he had the plan of redemption and the plan of salvation already in mind. Now, we can struggle with this concept. We can struggle with this idea that before God even created us, he knew that we would rebel against him. He knew that we would sin. He knew what we would choose. 
And we can sometimes scratch our heads about this a little bit and try to wrap our minds around this. And again, part of this is how God operates, so I can't fully understand this because we are finite and we can't be on the level of God. But let me try to help you understand the process of how this plays out. And I'll do it this way. A couple weeks ago, my wife and I went to a store to go flower shopping. And as we walked in, I said, would you like to get a cart? And she said, no, we're not going to buy that many flowers. Now, before we walked into the store, I parked my car by one of those return places for the carts. Because I recognized that when we walked into the store, knowing we were buying flowers, and my wife doesn't really like to shop, which is such a blessing. Uh, I mean... It really is. But there are certain things that she likes to shop for. Flowers happens to be one of them. I don't get it, but that's fine. It's, it's what she likes. Knowing she likes flowers, when we walk into the store and I say, would you like to get a cart? And she says, no, I know there is no way I'm getting out of this store without having to go back and get a cart. Because once she sees the flowers, she, her mind's going to start to work and think, oh, this will go here, and this will go here, but then what about here, here, and here? So we're going to need to get some more here, and then, oh, there's that spot here. And, you know, if we go here, what if we did a mix and a match, but that's going to require us to get some more. I know this is going to happen before we walk in the store, before she tells me she doesn't want a cart. And we go and we start shopping for flowers. And we pick up a couple. And then she's still looking. I said, should I go get a cart? She's like, ah, yeah, you should probably go get a cart. <laughs> so I went and I got the cart. And we filled up the cart with the flowers. And we bought the flowers. And then I loaded the car. And then I didn't have to walk that far to return the cart. It was right there. Because I knew when I pulled into the parking lot, before I even asked her, we were shopping for flowers, and she loves flowers. There's no way I'm getting out of the store without needing a cart. Before we took our first breath, before our great-great-great-grandfather took his first breath, before we were even an idea in our mother's mind, God knew everything about us. God knew the moments of success we would face, the moments of triumph. He would know our greatest joys. And he knew our biggest regrets. He knew the choices that would haunt us. And he loved us anyway. He knew the rebellion of Adam and Eve before they took of the fruit that was forbidden. And he knew that you and I would follow suit. And in our own lives, so often choose the forbidden fruit. Because it promised us something more rewarding. It promised us something more fulfilling. The promise never changes. And sadly, neither does the result. 
so God came to save us and His Son, Jesus, and a plan that He put in place before we took our first breath. But He ransomed us, and He bought us by His blood, which was poured out for us. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. He says, you live to honor God because you were born again. You are made new. You are a new creation. And this life that you've experienced, it doesn't expire like your natural life. This life goes on for all eternity, that you are now part of God's family. So live your lives to honor God. It doesn't earn you anything, but it's your response that because God ransomed us with his blood, our response is to live our lives to honor God. Our response is to recognize that the best is yet to come. Our response is to recognize that the obligation we have to serve God, the obligation we have to follow after him is seen to us as an opportunity Yes, we have to, but more importantly, we get to. That we are alive. And this picture that we're also given here is this is according to the living and abiding word of God. That there's power when we engage with Scripture because it's God's heart revealed to us. We're told that that Scripture is alive and it's, it's breathing. We're told that it's sharper than a double-edged sword and it penetrates us. This is why if you follow Jesus, I can't encourage you enough to engage with Scripture. Understand the heart of the one who bought you. Understand the heart of the one who, even when you run, loves you enough to chase you down, to put roadblocks in your way. It isn't because he's evil. It isn't because he wants to see you fail. It isn't because he wants to see you miserable. But he knows the message of sin has never changed, but the result of sin hasn't changed either. And every time we believe the marketing ploy, of more fulfillment and more joy if we do it our way instead of God's way. It never satisfies. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. The cart that we filled up with those flowers a couple weeks ago, about six months from now, well, definitely in six months from now, they'll all be dead. I remember when I was in fifth grade, I would sometimes just stare at the clock, and it seemed like every minute was an hour. Now, as I get older, 
the years seem like seconds. I told somebody that recently and they laughed. They said, you're still young. The decades feel like seconds to me. It's a reminder to us all that our time is limited. Our time is short. And the challenge for us as people who follow Jesus is to recognize that and on one hand have anticipation because the best is yet to come. On the other hand, to recognize that each and every day we have is a gift and an opportunity to follow Him, to love others, to serve others, to honor God with our conduct, to understand Him on a deeper level. Every day is an opportunity. This life is temporary. God is eternal. Scripture is eternal. We have been, who've made made the decision to have a relationship with Jesus, we will live forever with God. But in order to do so, we will die. And every single person who lives will stand before the judge. And the question will be, what did we do with our lives? And make no mistake, as people who made the decision to follow Jesus, when God looks at us, when we stand before the judge, what he sees is not our failure, what he sees is not our regret, what he sees is not our sin, what he sees is that we've been ransomed by the blood of Jesus. So this isn't an issue of whether or not we make it into heaven, but this is an issue of the blessing that we will receive for what we did with the time that we were given. What we did with the gifts that we were given. What we did with the, with the treasure that we were given. We will give an account for how we spend our lives. We will give an account for how we spend our time. We will give an account for how we spend our money. We will give an account to God for all of those things. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Wait a minute. That we conduct our lives with fear and that we remember that we're going to die That's the good news? And the answer is yes. That's the good news. Because as people who have a relationship with Jesus, we don't have to fear death. Now, we can fear the process of dying. We don't have to fear the result. And as we walk through life, we don't have to fear what comes our way. Because we recognize that there is a God who loves us so much that he will pursue us. And it might not always be easy. And it might not always be fun in the process. But he wants what's best for us.
and he loves us enough to chase us down. My hope and my prayer is that you would see this God for who he is. That you would follow after this God with joy and anticipation and excitement. That you would make the most of the time that we have. And that you could feel what it feels like to live with the freedom not being afraid, but of knowing that God loves you and he has bought you. One day you'll stand before him. Let us live our lives in such a way that we do that with anticipation and not fear. God, I pray I pray that we would live each and every day in full awareness of the fact that not just will other people see our lives, not just will other people see our conduct, but one day we'll stand before you. God, with the freedom of knowing that you factored in all of our mistakes and all of our regrets before we, before we even did them, and yet you still love us and have called us to yourself. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you for chasing after us. And I, I pray for the person running right now. God, I just pray that they'd stop. And I pray that as they would analyze whether or not they've bought into the lie that tells them it'll be more fulfilling, it'll be more fun to do it their way instead of your way. God, I pray that they would really look at that. And they'd say, you know, I want to do it your way, God. I pray that we would live lives of anticipation and excitement what you've called us to. Jesus, thank you for ransoming us. Thank you for willingly going to pay the price because of my rebellion, because of my sin, because of my shame. Lord, as we remember your sacrifice. May it spur us all the more to live each and every day for you, Jesus. 